Welcome to episode 28 of the Wiretap Podcast with Alex and-, and Carlos. What's going on, Alex? You ready? You ready to pop it on today? Yeah, man. I'm excited. We got a big time guest later later in the episode. Oh, man, I'm excited about this guest. Uh, again, we do every, those of you that are listening, we do what we do because of you. So we hope that you enjoy this guest. We hope you enjoy the content that he's going to bring today. Uh, there's certainly some deep uh, non-surface stuff and then there's some 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 surface you know some surface stuff and and i just i you know alex i'm just i'm 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 grateful don't get me wrong uh certainly humbled by the opportunity but he's a, a fantastic guy certainly a millionaire you've seen him on netflix uh you've seen him uh, no 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 stop stop right media. there we'll we'll introduce him a little bit all later right, in right, the episode right, right. Yeah, um man, yeah, man. you know we'll, we'll keep it a suspense there just stay tuned for that and then let's kick it off with the first topic Oh, man, let's talk about what is going on with Elon, man. What is he? What is this that I'm hearing that uh, at some point he's breaking a court order because of his tweets? Apparently, uh, he's he's been told that his lawyers now years ago, back in 2018, Mm -hmm. his lawyers uh, had to review his tweets before he even posted these tweets. What is this about, man? Have you read this article that recently came out? The thing is, Elon kind of just likes to speak. Man. He loves it. He loves he, it, man. He loves to speak his mind. He doesn't like for people to tell him you can't do something. And he just wants to kind of go on this internet phase or, or high, you know, like hype things that people are talking down towards. I, right, I think, right, you know, right, it's right. like people was like, oh, bro. You know, I hate I hate this or I hate about this um, currency or this. And it was like, oh, it's the way to the future. It's the way to go forward. So he's kind of that guy, you know, that's always playing yeah, devil's advocate. Absolutely. So I don't know. We'll see what happens it's, as far as his, you know, go ahead and tell us what the tweets were about. I mean, first of all, he first he <laughs> what's crazier out of this. He shows up on Twitter and he says that he, one of his favorite child's song, like his son's favorite song is baby shark and because everywhere (laughs) and because of that all of a sudden samsung publishing shares rise uh almost 20 percent all because he posted that his son's favorite song is baby shark and he knows here's the crazier part he knows he shouldn't be jumping in this and talking about anybody anybody's company any company in general when he posts the tweet (laughs) the thing is i don't think it's a problem as long as he's that doesn't have any shares in that company right because now it's like okay what's the intent but we don't know right no but if he doesn't have any any shares in there and he's just kind of tweeting about a song that he you know he likes I don't see anything wrong with that either. Well, I get it. They, I, I get it. That it carries weight, big does, time weight. Does, uh, we, we all know and he that. He knows but, what he's doing. He watches the markets just as much as we do, man. Let's be honest. It, but have you ever heard about the the remix, Baby Shark remix at, at yes. the DJ or DJ? Yes, it's yes, pretty. Yes. It's it's pretty nice. I mean, it goes oh, pretty hard. Listen, here's here's the other part. Fine, okay. Let's let's just say he just loves Baby Shark for the sake of Baby Shark. But here's the other part. Yeah. We all know that when it comes to Dogecoin, he is a fan, right? He loves mm-hmm. Dogecoin. He's all about Dogecoin. And all of a sudden, recently, 
uh, on June the 2nd of 2021, he posts this meme of him at a, in front of an old computer, an old Apple computer, right? Mm-hmm. With that famous Doja coin dog, right? Uh, whatever that is, the yeah. Shinsu. The Shiba. Uh, the Shiba. Yeah, the Shiba. Shiba. Yeah, the yeah. Shiba. Uh, and he says, I have to keep my passion hidden from the public or I'll be socially ostracized. Listen, are you kidding? Like, here we go again, right? And what it is, rose what up 27%. 27%, right? It is all about some controversy. It's all about an opportunity. And Elon never disappoints when it comes to making something so small, incredibly big. I mean, we see that across the board, Alex. Mm-hmm. You know, the, th- the thing is also like what you were saying as far as they told him that it had to go through the lawyers. I think in 2018, um, the company had to pay out $20 million in the in agreement for public statements and social media overseen by Tesla's lawyers. So <laughs> there's been incidents before where they told Elon, like, hey, dude, like, we really have to review your stuff because it's costing us money. But here's the thing. What if, his, what if his tweets are actually making them more money? At one point, is like, if I'm making $100 million, but I have to pay you 20 as a fine, I'm okay with that if I'm going to make $80 million, you know? That's the thing, man, is that everything, listen, anybody that's on social media, okay? I'm going to say this. If you're on social media and you have a certain amount of followers, anything and everything that you do is very intentional. Everything. It's all incredibly intentional. And because it's so intentional, you have now the ability, right? You have now the ability to control the narrative, control the content. And hey, if you want to create something of a mess, you can create a mess. If you want to create drama, create drama. If you want to create beef with somebody, you can listen. That's what sells. And what this man does, he is a professional. He knows what he's doing. And it just cracks me up that he's able to do this. But listen, on the same level of Elon, you know what I mean? And what I mean about the same level as Elon is I'm talking about this next guest that we have. Innovative, right? Very innovative. Mm-hmm. Knows exactly what he's running towards. Knows his targets. Knows what he's moving towards. And I love the fact that he really says, at the end of the day, he's so transparent. And he says, look, it's not always about the assets that I've got. It's not always about the money I got. There is something deeper here and everyone constantly misses it, right? And I don't know about you, Alex, but is that what you gathered? Well, actually, we should probably tell everyone who the guest is. So our guest is, you know, we're all excited. We were super honored to be able to, you know, secure this interview for the podcast and for all our listeners out there that want to learn about business and know that there's different adventures out there that you can make money and it's not all just about stocks and real estate. Absolutely. And our next, I mean, our, our next guest here that we're introducing is PJ Hadimi. He's one of the, he's got a couple books out there. They're best-selling author of a trilogy. One of his books three, is a circle. Right? Three bestsellers. Yep. So is the third circle theory radius and the gate of choice. Look it up. Um, guys. Yeah. Look it up. Entourage. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's he's big time into different assets, right? One of them, the, the assets, it's trading watches. So once you, there's different levels and he's got some programs that you guys can check out if you guys are interested in, in that, you know, trading watches. But there's different categories where you can make money off of them. And, you know, also he developed the exotic car hacks which is, I think it's for people that are have over $5 million to invest in that. But yeah, it's an educational want, platform for sure. 
But he wanted to basically fifteen thousand members, man. That's huge. No, but here's the thing. Huge so customer base. He actually started it for someone that wanted to have like people had a lot of money. They wanted to collect cars and have them as an investment, not as you know driving vehicles. So he created the program so anybody could do it if they wanted to. That didn't have the five million dollars to invest at a certain level. You're able to come in. You know he teaches you the program. Absolutely, but he also talks about the Watch Trading Academy. Uh, you know, it's really about wealth preserve. You know, we talked about uh, generational wealth here all the time. We talked about, you know, what it, what really are you heading towards? Uh, a PJ really tends to focus on that wealth preservation and growth, man. I really enjoy uh, how he begins to talk about that in the interview. And then, of course, he's got a mentorship program. Did you do you remember talking about that, Alex? Uh, the secret, uh, the secret entourage. Uh, which is really, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he said over 100,000 students that he currently mentors uh, when it comes to business, when it comes to car hacks, when it comes to the Watch Trading Academy. Uh, and then, of course, he's got that one-off uh, that is, is really an exclusivity of some of the top-notch investments that he's got uh, right now that he's holding for sure. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, Carlos, you know, his book has sold over two 2.7 million copies, and he's also came out in. Uh, a Netflix series, you know, that we kind of mentioned before. I don't know if you you mentioned it a little bit Absolutely. earlier, Absolutely. but it, the the series, if you guys are interested, is a Fast Car season two. He's in the first episode uh, on that season two, and he's driving. I think he comes out with a Ferrari. He's driving a Lamborghini, and um, I I haven't fully watched the show, so I'm excited to catch up on the on the, on the show. Look, and I think just if anything. What, yeah, no, no, no. Look, I don't mean to interrupt, Alex, but look, no, no, here's go ahead. what I really enjoy about PJ. And this is for everyone who's listening, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're thinking about entrepreneurship as you move forward in life. What I love about PJ's story, Alex, because we talk a little bit about a story. There's no way we're not going to talk about someone's story if they're a guest on our show, right? Uh, he right. is a true byproduct of his, of his very own teachings, right? What he does is he takes that resourcefulness and self-educational, and he makes two powerful points and he creates success, right? I love it because mm -hmm. he's self-made, right? Self-made entrepreneur. He's a philosopher. If you listen to him, he's certainly a philosopher. He's an author. And even though he doesn't, you know, describe himself as an author, I mean, he's got three books, definitely an author. And he's the mm -hmm. creator of transferring wealth, but there's a method to that madness, right? And I love right. the fact that he can honestly say, one, he can be real with us. He was incredibly real. Uh, and there's yeah, some he things that he said to us uh, before we hit record on the show. Uh, that was good because it showed us on what level we're on with PJ. And we really, uh, again, I go back to humbled uh, by this opportunity and truly appreciative. Uh, it's not every day that we have someone who's been on Netflix on our show. Uh, certainly uh, very successful, Alex. Would you agree? You grossed over, what is it? 420? No, let me, uh, yeah, I was, just, I was just, I was just going to touch on that point. So his businesses all together since their birth, have grossed over $420 million. You know, it's a very successful guy. His mentorship program has, you know, you can find it on the website. It's no, no secret. He's got over 76,000 students that he's mentored. Um, of course, it's through his programs that and his teachings that he teaches you, you know, how to invest in watches or if it's cars or whatever, or how to do it. So he he's, I mean, what do you say, Carlos? He's, um, 
He's actually made a business and he's able to monetize a lot of his, his stuff and it's good. He has found the art of flipping assets, right? No matter what business category you're in, uh, no matter what you're doing at the end of the day, we're all selling something, right? We're all either selling ourselves, selling a service, whatever the case may be. What he has found, he has found a way to perfect the model, right? Perfect the model, create millionaires out of these programs that he has in place. And at the end of the day, man, he has found the art of flipping assets. And that is that is key anytime you're building wealth, right? And, and certainly generational wealth and the transfer of wealth uh, as we move from generation to generation. So he's very raw. I'll, I'll, I'll tell everybody that he's very raw. He's very direct. He's straight to the point, but you got to be a straight shooter, right? You got to be a straight shooter. You got to be direct. You got to be honest. You got to tell it like it is, because at the end of the day, if you're not, people are going to smell the fakeness. And that's certainly what we did not get from PJ. Correct, Carlos. And with that, if you guys are thirsting for more information, obviously check out all his social media, his websites. There will be links on the episode. And also there's plenty of other podcasts that he's come out. I think he's been on the 1% podcast. It's a, you know, business, a business podcast. And he's also been with the Wolf of of the real wolf of wall street he's been on his episode and he's got a lot of information so if you guys want to check him out you know go look it up it's easy to find um and without further ado we're going to kick it right into our interview that's right and here we go the wiretap podcast well well first of all we want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking your time and i know you're a busy man and so we have a special guest that was pj with us today and really, what 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 uh, one of the biggest things that I I, I want to know for me, PJ, if that's okay with you, I want to know who PJ is. I know the PJ that I see on social media. I know the PJ that uh, does uh, extremely well when it comes to watches and cars and the hacks and the things that he's doing. But I want to know what what do you do for fun? Like, what do you do on your off time? Like, like who is PJ? I know you're not. A, I know you've written multiple books, uh, and I know you're not a writer. Uh, but all of a sudden, as you're writing, you become an author, and here you are. You know, uh, I believe you said at one point that you weren't a reader. My apologies, that you weren't a reader, and then you, before you know it, you're just writing books. So I'd like to know who the real PJ is for sure. So I don't identify as an author or a reader or anything. I have two sides to basically my my existence, right? It's PJ, the money guy, and PJ, the teacher. Uh, I don't believe in work-life separation, so I don't have something that's like, well, PJ is different at work. He's different at home. He's different Mm. with this. I'm just me all the time. Like, I I genuinely don't give a shit about anything. Like, I, I work towards evolution and improvement day in and day out. Uh, not from just a place of money, but a place physically, a place mentally, uh, a place where we just move forward, right? And I think one of the big things is that people don't realize that they they basically create facades and compartmentalize their life, mm. you know, saying this is me at work, this is me at home, of course. This is it. And, of and I'm quite the opposite. I just believe that everything is an extension of oneself. So everything I do just follows that, like meaning if I buy cars for work, uh, or that I buy cars for myself, I love cars. So I'm involved in something car related. If I uh, play with watches, you know, I love watches as much as I love making money on them. I actually have a passion for uh, the design and everything that comes with it. But it's all, all have, are, are part of the same ideology, right? Like I always mm-hmm. say, most people get rich to buy shit. Like they get rich to buy cars, watches, art, homes, you know, and all that stuff. I got rich buying shit. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. spend any money on anything. Like yeah. basically like everything I do 
is an extension of me and it doesn't cost me anything. So if I have $6 million in cars here, it doesn't cost me anything to have that. It's basically just money sitting there. Like I'm not losing money having it. I'm going to make money when I choose not to have it. And meanwhile, I'm having fun with it. So I, I think like I've basically become uh, an octopus in my own finances to basically mm. have my hands in all aspects of what I want to do mm. so that anything mm. I want to do ends up becoming really an income source, even though it doesn't have to be. Yeah, and it's I not a result. Yeah, it's only the yeah. result. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a result yeah. of what I do anyways. So uh, I, I think from that aspect, it is what it is. But on the, I mean, other than that, the, the real PJ is a teacher on the other side. Like I'm a big finance guy. I love teaching. So uh, if you ask the, like, I can count on two hands how many friends I have. I can count mm -hmm. on one hand how many close friends I have that yeah, I trust. Yeah, Did And they, yeah. every single person, regardless that they're an acquaintance, uh, someone who's made more money, less money, a friend, someone who's broke, they'll tell you the same thing. They're like, PJ teaches. That's all he does. Mm -hmm. So every single thing I do, every single conversation has accounted starting from some level of teaching, meaning every friend I've ever had or met has been either mentored or has literally learned something from me or has paid to learn something from me. And as a result has become friend, a friend over the years, just because the personality was a match. Mm. Uh, so, mm. you know, there's just two facades in my life. It's basically the money guy where everything's analytical and it's the other side, which is the teacher where everything is basically about an opportunity to evolve and grow. Mm. Mm, what a great so, response. We, yeah, so we share, we all share a love for cars. And of course, we, Carlos and I also like watches. And I know you're a big time watch guy. And I would, you know, we grew up in the early stages of before Fast and the Furious and we were fixing Hondas and, and stuff like that yeah. and souping them up and all of going us. To the drag, yeah, <laughs> going down to the drag strip and, and racing. So my curious is like, what was your first, uh, your first car that you purchased? And then what was like the first exotic car in, also, when did you realize that you can make money off of your exotic cars or, how, you know, getting them rid of? So I, I had, yeah, I had my first car ever was a Ford Probe that my mom handed down to me. Oh, the GT? Do you have the GT? Yeah, oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> but the first car I bought myself after that, because I was like, I can't go to school with this shit box. You know, it's got 190,000 <laughs> smoke fumes and the paint's rusted. You don't get any pussy being in high school with a Ford GT Pro with 190,000 miles and cloth seats, you know? <laughs> so I went and bought myself a, a Firebird Formula Trans Am, like one of those, you know, big V8s and shit. It's nice. a complete shit box. I didn't know anything about cars. It had been crashed twice, you know, clean Carfax type bullshit. And the car was completely <laughs> fucked up. The bumper was falling off and I didn't know better. It was still cool looking to me. I didn't know better. So I bought it uh, really started modifying a little bit there and there just to get some like better exhaust sound, you know, things at the time that were like a big thing. And uh, I ended up buying myself a Mustang later that I became a big Mustang guy for like five cars in a row, oh, like wow. everything from Roush's to Salines to, you know, Cobras and stuff. But uh, my first exotic was a 911 Turbo uh, Gambala GT650. That was when I was 21 years old. Uh, I bought myself that with the, ideology that I've always wanted a Porsche Turbo that was always a dream car mm. uh, and I got myself a dream car at 21 uh, I worked and it made sense I financed it but it still made sense you know financially buy it. Of, course, of course I was losing money on every car before that just like every other human I would buy a car get rid get bored modify it, dump it a year later and lose like 20 grand you know and right, somehow right I would right. justify it because the next car was cooler, you know, <laughs> okay, cool, whatever. And I didn't have 20 grand to lose, but I still lost it. This is the thing with poor people. When we're poor, 
we're willing to lose more than when we're rich, right? Because we learn right, how right, it right. works. So we make all the bad decisions to stay poor. And I did that for a long time. There, we're, we're our own educators. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just, yeah. we're, actually, I don't think we are. I think we're our own justifiers. <laughs> that's it, that's it. All that's of our it. mistakes, right? We're constantly <laughs> like, well, this makes sense to me, even though it doesn't make sense financially, it makes sense to me. Right. Uh, and so we, we mix this thing that we have when we're young and stupid called emotion. We mix it with money. The two things that should be separated for life. Oh, emotion God. and money have no place to be in the same room. There are two things that should stay apart. And unfortunately for me as a child, I didn't know that. So I kept doing that. But when I bought my 911 Turbo, there was one, two, two pivotal things that happened for me. The first one was at the time there was a shortage of 911 Turbos. You know, this mm. was the era where uh, pre-2008, uh, the car markets were booming, you know, like the real estate markets mm -hmm. was booming. Yeah. Right. People were paying up the wazoo for everything, just like right. kind of now, right? Right, right. Uh, Until the subprime world kicks that in. perfect storm, right, coming. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. at the time, I won a 911 Turbo. Nobody had one. And I had one chance to buy the hottest 911 4S. And I went all the way down to the closest thing to signing the paper. And I told myself, if I settled for a car 10K less, just because I couldn't find a turbo, I would never have a turbo. So I was like, fuck it. I'm never doing that again. I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not signing it. And lucky for me, a week later, I found a turbo. Uh, and it was a Gambala GT650. It was even like a dream car turbo. Uh, I found it. It needed a little bit of work. But I drove uh, all the way to Atlantic City from Virginia, picked it up. And I didn't buy it with the intent of making money or not losing money or knew anything. It just was a good deal at the time. Right. And then two, three years later, uh, when I went to sell it, I actually broke even, even though I drove in and put all these mod money in it, I modded even more. And then I actually didn't lose any money. And I was so surprised because one, it was the most expensive car I had owned. Hmm. Two, it was the one I had sank the most money in. You know, I was kind of going into it like I was making more money and I was like, oh, he needs a new bumper and he's this and he's that and he's this. Yeah. And I was sinking big money into it. And I would expect to lose all of that, right? I was hmm. like, oh, it's flawless now. It's going to all go away. Right. And when I sold it, I basically broke even minus like 500 bucks or something. And I was like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm. I drove it the longest. I put the most miles on it. I used mm. it the most. And I put the most money in it. And I got all that money back. Yeah. So mm. I was like, what, what did I miss? Like, what, what happened before that I didn't get this time, right? Mm. So then I moved on and I bought a Modena Ferrari and a Lamborghini mm. uh, Gallardo, you know, like one after the other. Mm. And on both cars, I made money. On my Gallardo, in like a week, I made like nine grand because I got a nine grand over offer. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready to get rid of it. I just got it. So I modded that too, and I drove it for like six months. Then I got an eight grand over offer, nice. including the mods. So I was like, well, I drove it now. I was like, I'll probably get something else. And I panicked because it was my first Lamborghini and I didn't know better. You know, I was like, what if these offers don't come? So I was like, fuck it. I sold the car. I should have never sold it. I've probably still gone up every day. <laughs> but the point is, I didn't know it and I panicked. I got rid of mm. it. But the point was three cars now, no money lost. So I started realizing that there's maybe a correlation between mm. the fact that I've been buying exotics and then losing money and mm. I'm buying regular cars, and I'm losing my ass every time. Mm. And so I started like moving things in my head to be like, let me become friends with exotic car dealers and understand what they know that I don't know. Yeah. Because if this was the case, what a beautiful business. You could buy cars, leave them on your lot to sell and they would never depreciate. I was like, isn't that the, yeah. the dream for a car dealer? I was like, right, why right. hold that value? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I realized it wasn't that easy, but I also realized that like that was right. Like if you buy the right cars, they don't appreciate. So yeah. I was like, okay, they've already taken the depreciation. So as a banker and finance guy, I started to be very analytical towards this game and understanding how you can bank leverage to to buy these higher end exotics. What's available? What's different? 
And remember, at the time, it was a different era than now. Remember now, you have Ferrari has 12 different cars. Mm. Lamborghini has 12 different cars. Mm. You know, they're, they're selling a thousand times more cars a month than they were in a whole year, you know? But, but now, mm. it's very different than then. But even then, it, the beginning was there. You know, the birth of the exotics becoming more affordable was starting. Mm. And I was at the forefront of it and I understood that there was this higher demand coming into the market. People were getting richer and people wanted to buy things. And I understood that. And that's kind of why I started as a side thing, kind of like working in that space while I was a banker. Yeah. Why you're, if you're good at something, why not get rich at it? Right. Well, I wasn't good at it, but I, you see, this is the thing. I, I was never good at anything. Like when mm. I, when I even got in the online space later, I wasn't good at it, mm. but I, there's the difference between me and other people is that I predicted that the online space, like everyone else who predicted that the online space would be the next big thing, right? Mm. No big deal. Well, no big, no, this isn't a fucking revelation. You don't have to be a genie to fucking figure right. that out, right? Right, right. But right. what you, what the difference is, most people predicted that. What most people failed to do was do what I did, which say, I'm not an online guy. I don't know shit about coding, about any of this stuff. I'm a finance guy. The only way I can get online is if I start 10 years ahead so that by the time the online markets become hot, I'm up. the one that knows how to play in it. Yeah, that's right. Like, that's in right. other words, I have the knowledge now being in it 10 years yeah. to not be a small player, but to be at the forefront of a big player then. So I bet on myself that it would take me 10 years mm. to figure mm. out how to be good at it. Mm. So while I was making a ton of money, I got online. Not mm. when things were bad and I was like, I need an out. How am I going to figure out online? So you always, the difference between people who make a lot of money and people who make very little money is they look ahead at the trajectory of things. They don't do things because everyone else is doing them. They, they look ahead and they go, what do I want to be doing in 10 years? Okay, this is what I want to be doing. Now, the next part is not, how can I start now so I can make money now? It's that if I want to do that in 10 years, how many years do I need to get good at it? Because I, do I know a lot about an industry? Do I not? Do I, is this my game? Is this not? Hmm. Okay, I, it, it takes an average of five years to get, you know, to get integrated in something and an average of 10 to master it. So I gave myself 10, but in five, I knew I would at least be in it, you know, floating and swimming sometimes. And sometimes right. the current takes you somewhere, but at least I knew where I was going. So the point was, once you decide the trajectory of where you're heading, you go, I'm heading 10 years ahead. This is where I want to be. Now you have to give yourself, how long do you need to become the person that can be successful in that space? The only one. Yeah, you know, no, I've, I've called it. I called it before in our in our show here before, and and it's basically the snowball effect, right? You're saying the trajectory of ten years, and as long as you start working small little goals that you can achieve within one year, two years, and suddenly you start getting that snowball going, and then you'll get there at your ten year mark that what you're talking about being mastery. You know, you still have the Rolls Royce, the Don. I saw a video out there. That's a sweet car, man. I know that it was super unique. You got it from Europe. You still currently have that one, or you got rid of it? Yes. No, I still have the Dawn, and I have the Wraith. I have the rarest. I have the rarest Wraith they make on Earth, called the Cryptos. I just bought that one. That's rarer than the than the Dawn you saw, and then the Dawn you saw is also incredibly rare because of the color. Uh, That's a 2016 launch edition Hermes uh, European spec, and it's a U.S. car, even though it's a European spec. And then the latest one I got is a 2021. Uh, Rolls Rafe Cryptos, one of 50, 20 in the US, 50 worldwide. Uh, it's the last final edition Rafe they make, and it's got like 
a special paint. It's got a Tiffany blue headliner with mm. a cryptography uh, pattern, and it's very alienish. It's like super cool. Mm. Very different. Just I like super artsy, different shit. So just for now. And another thing I've noticed, you are a mentor to thousands, PJ. Uh, one of the questions that uh, me and Alex almost a hundred thousand now. See, uh, I mean, there's there's so many people that are just begging and, and pleading for advice because you know, honestly, social media is driving so many agendas, and some people just have no clue what they're talking about, especially when you get online and start to listen to these, you know, twelve second videos. But aside from that, putting that aside, PJ, who was your greatest mentor uh, as you were growing up? Did you have anybody, or did you never? Mm. Is it that interesting? I just find but you know, that but so you know why? Because because people actually young people and don't take this personally. Young people fuck this up. So let me tell you why. Because young people are begging on social media to be taken advantage of. Mm. They basically go, listen, I need someone to steal from me. Mm. So like basically, I'm begging for you to steal my money. That's what young people on social media are doing. (laughs) They see a lifestyle that they don't understand. They see things they don't know how to value. They look at things they don't understand. And they go, dude, mentor me. Hmm. Half the people that ask me that shit, I either block or tell them to fuck off. Hmm. You know why? Because they don't even know why they want mentorship. Hmm. Hmm. And they don't even know what mentorship looks like. And they don't even know what reason they would have to making it happen. Hmm. So what happens is these people basically uh, look at what they want and they go, I want what this person has, not what this person is doing. Right. Right. So they're like, what this person has is what I want. So this guy's going to show me the ropes. You're not me. You don't have the background I have. You don't have the mm-hmm. skills I have. You don't understand what I do. Why would you want me to teach you what you don't even know I do? So, so what is mentorship is the problem is that you guys have adopted this ideology that mentorship is someone showing you what to do mm. or telling you what to do. Mentorship that is effective is nothing more than working side by side or around or paying attention to what's happening in an industry or a person that you believe is making an impact in the work you want to be doing. That's a leader right there. So, yep. so no yep. different than saying, if I wanted to work in the exotic car space, right? And I wanted to learn how to be an exotic car salesman, right? Like that's what I want to do. The number one thing you should do is visit exotic car showrooms. And you don't have to walk in and be like, dude, are you the top salesman? Can you show me what you're doing? I want to take from you and I don't want to give you anything. I just want you to teach me how to make money. Like, right, right. are you serious? Like, why don't you just fucking pay attention? How does the guy talk to people? Why don't you just Google his name? Where did he work before? Mm. Why don't you just pay attention and Mm. investigate? And once you become a person of value in that industry, why don't you befriend that person? Mm. And just, you don't need to befriend them to be like, dude, show me the ropes. I want to go where you're going. Just befriend them, do a deal with them. Pick up on the details. I mean, that's that's like like 99% of mentorship in the world like you young people have such an opportunity to just fucking pay attention. Hmm. Like pay attention to what's happening around you. 99% of people just repost shit on social media without investigating it. 99% of people just agree with things they don't even understand. 
because it sounds interesting to them. So true. So they true. don't pay attention or want to know why someone said something. Like, like, look at the, the well, let's use a political argument about vaccinations. Right. Every motherfucker on TV that goes, they're anti-vaccination, right? They're like, right. this, you shouldn't do this. Your freedom's taken away. How come them and their families are vaccinated? Why? Like, why are they <laughs> sitting here telling people that vaccinations are shit, but they're telling their wife that you should go get vaccinated so you don't get harmed? Why? Because ratings sell exactly and young people are fucking stupid and they're not paying attention they're listening they're not paying attention Mm. they're not using their ears and their eyes they're not investigating Mm. they're looking at the surface and saying i just read a headline on youtube what does that tell you and went off and went off of that yeah yeah Yeah. that guy likes to make five million dollars on youtube because of that headline and he doesn't give a fuck about anything else He's in the business of attention and he grabbed your attention because you clicked it already. Hmm. He doesn't care if your health is your fucking problem. But, but the issue here, we're not even, this isn't even an argument about are vaccines good or not. Right, it's an right, argument right. that someone is telling you and making $10 million off of you not doing something, but they themselves are doing the opposite. Hmm. What does that tell you about one, that person's integrity is zero. Why would you fucking want to learn from them? Zero. Why would you want to listen to them? Zero. But what should you want to get mentored from them? You should want to get mentored from them on how to get attention on YouTube because they're really right. fucking good right. at it. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. so if you want to get like life advice from them, I probably wouldn't do that. Stay away. Because yeah. they're selling you an idea. They're not giving you life advice and you can't decipher the two. So you go, that guy's a hero, man, because he's saying shit I agree with. So everything else he says is probably better than mm. what I know. Yeah and, yeah. and that's how you go down that trap of being royally fucked. Yeah. yeah. And before you know it, every decision now that you make is based off of this ideology that is honestly running you down a dark hole. And who well, knows and, if you'll get out. And it's fake. There are people on social media like living a, a fake life and others don't investigate that life. Mm. Like you, have, you know how many guys come up to me to have like fucking pictures and jets and shit and like cars and whatever. Mm. And I'm like, yo, like they were like, yeah, I want this watch. I'm like, all right, well, shoot me a wire for 200. You can have it. Yeah, let me move some money around. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Okay, fine. You know what? <laughs> They're diversified, PJ. $2 clown. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Send me a 10K wire. Like. 10k deposit, right? And then just take four days and move it around, right? Yeah, From some yeah, fucking yeah. Imaginary <laughs> monopoly money account, right? So I'm like, okay, no problem. But what happens? Oh, you know, something happened. I couldn't send you the 10k. You're that rich. You don't have 10 grand sitting somewhere no. to fucking throw on a deposit. Like, wow. really? Wow. Like, I buy a million dollar car and all I do is I'm like, hey, this is the dollar to say we're good. Yeah, send the wire instructions. Boom, we're done. Have a good day. Car better be here in three days. We're done. Yeah. yeah. We don't even need to talk anymore. Yeah. There is real money and there's fucking monopoly money, as you call it. Hmm. And the problem is the, the problem is monopoly money, even though it's bullshit, completely fake and makes no sense, is still looking like real money when you're looking through the lens of a phone. And so, and so the problem is, if you don't understand wealth, how can you understand what someone's worth? Mm. 
So kid sees a guy in a base busted ass old Lamborghini and goes, wow, amazing. This guy's rich. Mentor me. He looks at his dad sitting in a $200,000 fucking Range Rover. That's three times the price of the Lamborghini and goes, dad, <laughs> you don't know this guy's got it made on Instagram. Right, right, right. And you're like, right. what the fuck are you talking about? My Range Rover was like four <laughs> times the price of that car. But, but they don't understand that because they don't know Range Rover makes a $200,000 car. Of course, of course. Because they're fucking morons. Yeah. But yet they're excited about like an 05 Lamborghini or a fucking 2012 Maserati that costs like $18,000. Or your Volvo costs more. Like, do you walk up to a mom at fucking at the grocery store with a Volvo and go mentor me, lady? Right, like, right. I don't know right. what you're doing, but that Volvo's got a kick-ass <laughs> wood nice. brain in it. I can't wait for you to take me outside and fucking show me the ropes. How'd you get that Volvo? You know? Like, tell me, like, you right, right. worked 20 years for that? <laughs> <laughs> but yet you're doing that shit to a guy with a Maserati could cost the same money. Right. And right. who probably fucking like, like literally like leased it or fucking paid $500 a month to afford it. It's, like, look, the, it's like the Ferrari uh, is uh, sorry to cut you off. But it's like the Ferrari that the, um, this gentleman bought it back in the days when he was super young. It's like a 1946 or something. He found it. He, he bought it, had it drove into a barn. He left it in the barn. 46 years go by or more. The guy dies. The son gets the car, doesn't know the value of the car, sells it like for twelve thousand. The the guy who purchased the car is like half of uh, like you know five hundred uh, half a mil or seven hundred thousand or something like that. It's like mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. If you don't know the value of what you have, if you get taken advantage. If you don't advantage. understand things, th then you can't put a measure of value on it, right? Right. That's right. So, yeah. so so if you don't understand what wealth is, or if you don't understand what success is to bring us back to the original conversation, right, right. how can you measure if someone is a good mentor or not in that capacity? You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this, PJ. I'm, uh, from what I've grasped, you know, the cool part is uh, everyone on this call were immigrants. Uh, I, uh, my parents uh, brought me here uh, when I was super young uh, from Mexico. Uh, Alex is the same situation. I know you're from Iran. Uh, so uh, there's so much that plays a role in our environment, right? Uh, the way we're brought up, who we are, the disciplines that we carry all of this. And we become essentially in certain ways a product of our environment because we see our family struggle and we don't, you know, we want the better, we want the best. We want to see success uh, in the rearview mirror or right up ahead. Tell me about your environment you were growing up because all of this that that you've grabbed onto i mean there's got to be so much how you were raised you know so the only thing that i gained from being raised in poverty was two things the first one was i fucking hated it that was it like i just fucking <laughs> didn't like it like i looked outside the window and i was like these fucking white kids they're like rich and shit they got like cameras and stuff at 16 i ain't got a fucking camera <laughs> i was like they ain't taking the bus and shit they got pussy and i was like i ain't got any of this so that was the first thing i had a mattress and a playstation i was like that's fucked up mm. i didn't mm. like it like i didn't like that you know like i didn't want that again okay? and, and that the one thing that i think people don't realize is that sometimes in life when you're young you don't know what the fuck you want but you know what you don't want Right, And, and you're right. not willing to face what you're going to do to run away from it. Bingo. So, Bingo. so I think one of the things I would say is if you don't know where the fuck you're going, at least know where you don't want to go. Mm. And don't fucking go there. If, if you don't do shit, you're going to stay poor. So to me, that was so, like, go ahead. No, I'll say, so that was your brown paper bag moment? Yeah, no, that was oh. my, that was like, I just don't want that. Like I always ask myself, I was like, what do I want to do? 
So I, uh, I have this story that, and I'll make it real quick, PJ. I have this story where I was in school and I always wanted to take my lunch to school, man. I always wanted, and I would always see these kids, mostly the white kids, right? Uh, would always have those, uh, those uh, little uh, paper bags, those little small paper bags uh, that you could put your sandwich into it and then, you know, put a little juice box in there and take it with you. And I always would say to my mom, mom, I want one of those paper bags, you know, to put my sandwich in because she'd give me some of these plastic Walmart bags. She'd give me these big old brown bags, the old school grocery bags. And I never, you know, our family could never wanted to buy that. Couldn't afford it because every penny mattered, right? Wasn't a dollar. It was every penny. And I realized growing up that my brown paper bag story was I, I wanted to be able to afford that. That's what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, as, as growing up and, and that I'm hearing it now, you know, that's your brown paper bag that you realize, I just don't want that. I don't know what I want, but I just don't well, want I just, that. I mean, who wants to fucking live in a basement with a PlayStation and a mattress? Like, right, like right, you tell right. me one kid that looks at other fucking kids that goes, yeah, like that sounds like a fucking great idea. I'm just going to go do that. Nobody. But yet how many people are willing to do something not to do it? Right. And the only thing right. I learned from my mom, like growing up poor, was that she had this personality that was like, I just won't give up till we get what we want. Mm. And even mm. if it was tragic, fucked up, had a lot of work, or this, she just didn't give up. She just worked, worked, worked. So that worker, I, yeah. yeah, so that I learned. I was like, sometimes mm. I, I didn't expect a handout and I never expected a big home run or a lottery win, meaning I never expected to have a big, I think the big difference though is people work expecting something big to happen to them. Mm. I worked compounding the small wins. So I cared about if, right. if I made an extra dollar, I was happy. If I made an extra yeah. hundred dollars, yeah. I was happy. And never you don't at, stop. I didn't look for that million, right? That's right. That's I right. Had a thousand. I didn't look for, you know, 10 million until I had a million, you know? So like, to me, it was really about like, I got to get to these little fucking bullshit things. Nobody wants to do and get through them. Right. Right. And so those two things together was just like, well, I don't want to be fucking poor. And I'm just going to work as little as I can. Meaning as, as even if it's little progress as I can't, because I didn't have a green card. I didn't know what to do. I was a kid. Yeah. But it's still better than zero. Yeah. Small wins you're lead to big one. things. You're better than a zero. That's so right. The, That's right. So what does your program like focus on? Because I know that you do a lot of like, uh, you have the, um, you got a couple of things that you do as far as mentoring, not mentoring people, but the secret, you, you know, automotive exotics that you do for the VPs. So that's in a different level, but you have so the program teach, for the watch. And I teach three core things, how to trade watches and invest in them. That's my core program, which is well, the reason I do that is because I'm an expert in luxury assets mm. and I teach people how money flows through them. I teach people how to preserve wealth through my exotic car hacks program, which is basically how to buy cars and not lose money because we all buy shit we don't need, but we want, and we don't want to lose money doing it. And the final thing, which is my favorite thing I do, which is I teach consciousness and awareness. And I do that through a 90 day boot camp that basically puts you on your ass inside out and makes you reevaluate your life. It's very intense, like mentally and physically. Uh, it doesn't involve like weightlifting or anything. It's just a very strenuous, annoying, boring pile of shit that you don't want to do that forces you to do it. Mm -hmm. So that that way you basically start to realize what awareness, self-awareness and consciousness looks like. And it, it's a very uh, difficult 90 days, but uh, from many people that have taken it, They've told me it's the best program I've ever offered. Uh, they just didn't know it on the surface because it doesn't sound as exciting as get cool shit like cars and watches. 
you know, versus suffer for 90 days into your own shit till you like <laughs> face the mirror and see the real person, not the bullshit. Right, right, right. You know? And where could they find where could they find you, PJ? Let's 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 do that. Where can they find you? Learn from PJ.com. Can't be simpler. If you can't spell that, trust me, you don't want to be my student. <laughs> Is it well, the, uh, the Entourage Academy, the one you're talking about? No. That, so the Entourage was a project that started in 2008. And then all the cartoon characters in the world copycatted that shit and fucked that up. And uh, uh, the cartoons like the Ty Lopez's and the podcast and all that bullshit started coming to realm back when I was doing it when nobody was doing it. Mm. And everybody started copycatting it. It started losing its perceived value on the outside. There was still a lot of great learning in it, which is why I took some of the elements there, redid a lot of the elements, and basically created my uh, 90 years and 20-day boot camp, basically. My 20 years and 90-day boot camp, I apologize. So is it, So, where do you say the, the market is for the watches? Is it more like from the 2,000 to the 10,000 range or from the... All of it. Higher, is it everything? I mean, as long as you have fifteen hundred dollars, computer and a post office, you can start trading watches. Once you cross the twenty, thirty thousand dollar line, you can start investing in watches. You know, there's different models we teach in there. It's like wholesaling, trading, and investing. So it's like an all-around platform. It's not just like, hey, just do this for five K watches. You know. And mm -hmm. I had a uh, me and Carlos go back and forth about like cryptocurrencies and stuff like that do you have any thoughts on that or like do you, you think that's a pile, yeah it's a pile of crap or what, what do you think i think any industry that's unregulated is very dangerous and if you understand finance there's a lot of dangerous elements to crypto now there's mm -hmm. also early adopters right you can right, get on right. and make a ton of money the right. question is not the question is not is there uh money to be made it's more of is there a gamble to be taken and the question is, some of you are young, right? You look at money differently. Mm -hmm. You can park some money and say, hey, I don't have much anyways. I'm going to take five grand and see what it right. shoots up to you. And that's fine. Right. As a larger uh, real investment, crypto is not there yet. I think mm -hmm. Forex is complete bullshit. So that's completely the, I mean, if Ooh. you're an institution playing Forex, that's different than if you're a person playing right. Forex. Uh, like institutions will make money in Forex. People will take the crumbs that institutions basically feed them like peasants and they'll pretend they think they're making some money. Right. Uh, right. But the banking system is so corrupt and so vast that uh. you, if you really saw what you're fighting against, you, you just fucking sit there like, right. like it's an illusion, bro. It's like fucking David right. Copperfield in it. So like that doesn't work. But crypto, I think in the long term, things like Bitcoin and things like that in the long term have a place once technology becomes the forefront of what crypto is used for, not so much mm -hmm. hype tweets and the bullshit of, you know, creating coins called cum rockets and, right. you know, dodge coin and shit like that. I mean, like that stuff has become basically a, a bunch of really rich people that figured out how to take advantage of a bunch of poor people. Yeah, that do the coins and then just yeah, like just buy it, and, it up and then and, drop and it. Yeah. The pump and dumps are real. They've been in the yeah. stock market. Yeah. Too. This is yeah. news. Yeah. And yeah. what I'm saying is if you know the vast, the broad market of how pumps and dumps work, it's not really a big difference here in what they're doing. That you're pumping a stock and dumping or you're pumping a fucking coin called Cumrock, it doesn't make a difference, right? right. The, the right. only difference between a cryptocurrency and, and, a, and a shitty penny stock is that a cryptocurrency is more uh, commonly believed to be or positioned to be basically anti-government and, and anti-monetary policy, which is what attracts a, a lot of poor people to it that give it value, you know, they give it like that push. Uh, it is a dangerous angle to take. But again, this goes back to the 
to the guy that goes, I'm anti-vaccine, but vaccinates his whole family, right? Like that is, there's a difference between understanding the dynamic of how something works and then choosing to make an educated investment in it with a long-term view and your belief of where true currency is going and where the impact is or that it becomes an additional digital currency or not. And to hear from your buddy, I made 300 million percent on crypto that I can't touch. They'll probably drop down and I don't know what to do with it. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, PJ, it's, uh, I know we said uh, we'd have a certain time slot and uh, I know we're coming over now. Uh, we're going over, but listen, I would, we would, if you are okay with it, we would love to touch base later on. Uh, if you are open to it, uh, we've got uh, some additional questions. I know some of our viewers are going to be excited about this, uh, this interview for sure. And we'll bring some questions to you and see where we can go, touch base with your people, and uh, we'll go from there. But listen, I, uh, I wholeheartedly want to say thank you for your time. I know Alex is very grateful for this time as well. And PJ, we just wish you so much success. Uh, you heard it here, guys. Uh, learn from PJ.com. Uh, get as much value from it as you can, uh, because it is good. Good stuff. So PJ, thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely appreciate you coming on. And one last question. What's your favorite car that you own? <laughs> well, I still own it. It's my uh, SVJ Roadster. Okay. Still the best driving oh. car. On the did you get the, did you get your uh, SF90s? No, I'm still waiting. I fucked up. We ordered them tailor-made, so they were custom painted, so they're taking forever. I should have fucking ordered blue or something. It would have been well, like. I can't, I can't wait to see. I can't yeah, wait to see too. social media and yeah, <laughs> when you get it. But no, like but definitely appreciate it, like man. Like the ghost SF90s that don't exist anywhere. Like fucking like story of my life. Did you order shit? You make it special? Then like yeah, it'd be like five years to do something. It should have taken two or three months. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you again, PJ. Thank Bless you. you, sir. Take care, and we appreciate all that you do for us. See you guys later. Take care, sir.